Hey, functional friends, Bren Vermeyer here. Welcome to the Holistic Savage podcast, where we like to talk about all things related to functional health, including functional medicine, functional fitness, functional spirituality, functional psychology, and basically everything in between. And of course, you can't spell functional without fun. So we like to have a good time on this show. Now, before we get started with introducing today's honored guest, I want to remind you all that the content of this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not at all intended to be a replacement for supervised healthcare. So be sure that you're working proactively with your licensed healthcare provider to make sure that all of your healthcare and medical needs are being met effectively. Of course, if you're interested in our functional services at Metabolic Solutions, you can send us an email at info at metabolicsolutionsllc.com. And of course, visit our website, metabolicsolutionsllc.com. Also, if you love this podcast, I would really appreciate it if you share it with your family and friends, like it, follow us, subscribe, review. It really means the world because ultimately, I believe that the greatest miss involves to teach people how not to need it. And the first step towards change is awareness and then education and empowerment. So that is what my platform is dedicated to. That's what this podcast is dedicated to, is helping educate and empower self-healers around the world so that they can overcome their greatest health objectives. So be sure to subscribe and leave us a positive review and don't forget to share with your loved ones. So without further ado, let's get started with today's guest. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome back, functional friends, to the Holistic Savage podcast, where we like to talk about all things related to functional medicine, functional fitness, functional spirituality, functional psychology, and everything in between. And keep in mind, you can't spell functional without fun. So we have to we have to always have a lot of fun with what we do. Otherwise, uh, what's the point? So today I am so excited to welcome Dr. Mindy Pels to the Holistic Savage podcast. So please allow me to formally introduce my friends. So Dr. Mindy Pels is empowering people all over the world to believe in their body's own healing abilities through fasting, diet variation, removing chemicals from the body, and so much more. Dr. Mindy is recognized as a leader in the alternative health world and is the founder of Family Life Wellness, her local clinic that is made to speed up healing and maximize performance. She is also the founder of the Reset Academy, a private group where she and her team help people implement the principles of fasting, keto, and diet variation into their daily lives. She is the host of one of the leading science podcasts, the Resetter Podcast, which actually I have been featured on, and it was an absolute honor and privilege to be a guest on her show. And she's also the author of three best-selling books, The Menopause Reset, The Reset Factor, and The Reset Kitchen. Dr. Mindy and I actually connected through social media in 2020. We instantly hit it off. We were instant functional friends. And so I couldn't be more excited to have the opportunity to share her aura, her wisdom, and her knowledge with you all today. All right, functional friends, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Holistic Savage podcast. So today I am very excited to have my functional friend and returning guest, 
Dr. Will Cole back onto the show as we're going to be talking about intuitive fasting. So please allow me to formally introduce my friend. Dr. Will Cole is a leading functional medicine expert and consults with people around the world via webcam and locally in Pittsburgh. He specializes in clinically investigating underlying factors of chronic disease and customizing health programs for thyroid issues, autoimmune conditions, hormonal dysfunctions, digestive disorders, and brain problems. Dr. Cole was named one of the top 50 functional medicine and integrative doctors in the nation and is a health expert in course instructor for the world's largest wellness brands such as Mind, Body Green, and Goop. So it's really an honor to have Dr. Will Cole back on the show. He first joined us in a previous season and we talked about all sorts of amazing nutrition related topics, but today we are talking about intuitive fasting. So let's get started with the show. Round three, coming up with Dr. Jess Petros. Excuse me, just burping over here. All right. Hey, functional friends, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Holistic Savage podcast. I couldn't be more excited to introduce my good friend, Dr. Jess Petros, who is coming on to the podcast, and we're going to be talking all about naughty microbes and toxic loads. So please allow me to formally introduce Dr. Jess, who is a former hospitalist, internal medicine-based medical doctor, and a certified Gerson practitioner. She is an expert in the areas of stealth infections, environmental toxicity, regenerative medicine, ozone, and cannabis. Her passion lies in uncovering the mystery behind the chronic illness, whether that be stealth infections, heavy metals, stress, trauma, or other environmental toxicities. There are real root cause answers for why the body might be malfunctioning. Trained in medicine at the University of Louisville, Dr. Jess experienced what many of her patients experienced, deep anxiety, hormonal imbalances, and adrenal dysfunction. She sought answers to uncover the root cause of disease, something she thought she had learned in medical school. After working as an MD in a hospital for six years, Dr. Jess realized that she needed to investigate alternatives to today's modern medical industry, which treats every ill with a pill. She became, she became trained in Gerson therapy, functional medicine, nutrigenomics, and ozone in her efforts to help her patients with chronic disease solutions. She now is an expert in the field of Lyme, parasites, and the health hazards of mold. She is an international keynote speaker with her own former line of Dr. Jess products. Recently, Dr. Jess made the choice to not continue her board certification with the AMA as she no longer practices pharmaceutical-based medicine and is able to get to the root cause to heal people without the need for narcotics, immunosuppressants, antidepressants, antibiotics, or steroids. So it is such a pleasure to have Dr. 
Dr. Jess on the podcast. She and I have been running in the same circles and groups for quite a while, and it was just a matter of time before we became functional besties. So let's go ahead and get started with this amazing show. where we like to talk about everything related to functional health, including functional medicine, psychology, spirituality, and everything in between. So today I have a very special guest with Dr. Mindy Pels, who is a true leader, uh, an expert, an educator in the functional medicine holistic health space. And I was uh, honored to be on her podcast, the Resetter podcast recently, and I had such a good time with her and we jived so well. I was like, I have to get her on my podcast. So Dr. Mindy, thank you so much for joining me. It's, it's truly an honor to have the opportunity to speak with you. Yeah, thank you for having me. I agree. I really enjoyed our conversation and we've gotten incredible feedback from our re Resetter community. So um, thank you for having me. I fast. I love talking about fasting. Anytime we can talk about fasting and autophagy, I've been diving into the science this week on autophagy and immunity. So I'm excited to be here sharing it with you and chatting with you. Oh, absolutely. This is this can be fun. I can feel it because you know I, I'm so impressed by your platform, your community, and, and certainly we'll tell everybody and include in the show notes where they can learn from you and join your community because I see the content that you're pouring out and certainly having my own platform I know how much work and commitment it, takes it really lot. takes to yeah. do that and so what you're doing for the world it, it's just so needed it's so powerful and I see a lot of your uh, work and content focusing around you know the arts and science of, of fasting and some of the health benefits and so certainly um, as we touched on in your podcast, there is so much scientific literature coming out on yep. the uh, health benefits related to fasting. So I'm excited to, you know, dive into that and sort that out a little bit. But to um, kind of start the conversation before we get too lost down the, the rabbit hole of autophagy, I'd love to kind of hear from you a little bit of like how you really got into um, fasting and why this is such a big focal point of the work you do with your community and whatnot. Yeah, uh, definitely. So, you know, I, I'm 51 now. And when I turned 40, I was your, probably your classic um, health fanatic. I exercised a ton and I ate really good food and I ate six meals a day and I took my supplements, I got chiropractic, acupuncture, um, like got out into nature, like I did everything that you were supposed to do to stay healthy. And really the focus then was, you know, what did the scale say? And was I staying off of medication and out of my, out of the traditional doctor's office? Like those were sort of my highlights that I, and focus that I had. Um, and then when I turned 43, my hormones shifted and all the old tricks stopped working. And I started not sleeping. I started, you know, typical like perimenopausal woman having hot flashes, 
um, anxiety, depression kicked in. And so I took all those old habits that I was doing and I just did more of them. I was like, I need to run a little further. I was like, all of a sudden I was holding on to weight and I didn't really enjoy that. So um, I, I dove into the science. I mean, that's always my go-to place. Like go to PubMed and start looking at what the research is saying. And intermittent fasting was coming out about that time. And the first time I heard about intermittent fasting, I thought, oh, yeah, I could do that for a day. Like, it was like, yeah, I'll do that one day. And then when I read, oh, no, you're supposed to do it every day. I was like, what? So I, I actually was very resistant to get into the fasting because I was hypoglycemic if I didn't eat. Um, I was ate the same breakfast for probably 20 years. Like I was the smoothie gal, I'd walk around with a smoothie all day long. And now I look at it and I'm like, oh my God, thank God I really jumped into fasting because there's so many miracles there. And I really went into it with massive reluctance. And now, you know, it's like my whole lifestyle. It's amazing, you know, and there's always something valuable to learn by leaning into resistance, right? Like whatever yep. it is that we're resistant or, or reluctant to look at or do, there's always something to learn there. So I, I love so that true. you can force yourself to dig into that more. And I think your story and, and what you just shared is so powerful. And, and I'm sure that so many people can relate to that where, hey, I, I was very health conscious. I was doing all the right things. I had the fundamentals. And then all of a sudden things start changing and, and those yeah. tricks aren't working. So how do we kind of unstuck ourselves? And so, you know, with fasting, which we briefly chatted about on your show, um, it's really interesting how, you know, the science kind of always leads us back to nature. And, and in some ways, what maybe should be common sense and maybe what once was common sense, but then we have to like unlearn some of these bad habits. And so, you know, a lot of times I like to kind of zoom out to look at history mm. and the big picture of like, well, how did we get here? How did we right. get to this place where 88% of Americans are metabolically ill, 70% are overweight and obese, half the population is diabetic or pre-diabetic. And then it's like, well, remember that food pyramid, right? Of, you know, yep. 11 servings of heart healthy grains per day. And if you're skipping meals, you have an eating disorder. And it's like, maybe some of that backfired because then now all of this new science supporting all of these health benefits related to sometimes not eating, right? Yep. And allowing your body to do something. So let's kind of segue that into, you know, what would you say kind of thousand foot view are some of the major um, uh, healing and, and health promoting effects of, of fasting? Yeah, for sure. The easiest way I can explain it is you have to think of it like you have two energy sources, two different ways your body is going to get energy. One is from sugar. And I kind of don't necessarily like the sugar burner message because people think, oh, I just get off sugar and now I'm not a sugar burner. So I'm when I say sh you are getting energy from sugar, I mean, you're eating all day long. You're never you're you're never going into a fasted state. So we have this one energy source over here that makes us sugar burners. And then we have this other like reserve energy source that only can be tapped into when we don't eat. And we call this fat burner. So, or I call it fat, but it's like ketones, ketosis, ketones, like what you could give it a lot of different names. But here's what we're supposed to be doing is we're supposed to be eating 
and then not eating, and then eating and not eating. So we could go in and out of these two states. And it's just like way back in the caveman days. We didn't have refrigeration. We didn't have access to food all the time. So this alternative energy source became so important for us back in the caveman days. It, we haven't accessed it because food is everywhere now. So in the basic premise of fasting, what you're doing is you're going and you're accessing this other fuel source that you didn't even know was there. And it's like a, to me, it's like a treasure box that once you identify it, you're like, oh, what's in here? Okay, well, gosh, my cells can start to heal and repair themselves. Um, I can kill off bacteria. Um, I can make something called ketones and ketones will go up into my brain and they'll start to, to regenerate neurons. Um, I can start finally burning that fat that I didn't even know um, I wasn't accessing by eating all day. Like it's just a treasure of mechanisms that happen when we take food out of the equation. And the problem is that we've been over here fighting what food, which diet, and, and what I love about fasting is we have to change the conversation and say, it's not so much about which diet, it's about how often you're eating. I love that. And, and so certainly this is where, you know, being metabolically flexible, which if we, and it, this kind of gets back to like my, my point about common sense of like, well, if we as a species, as an organism had to just constantly have fuel going down our face, you know, three to six times every single day, how on earth did we last this long? You know, what did we do yes. when we were hunter gatherers and we didn't have the ice box and we didn't have, you know, the loaf of bread sitting there and we had to, you know, go hunt and gather for, for every meal or, or whatnot. And of course, looking at like body composition, if we can store what, like 200 grams of glycogen in the liver, maybe another few hundred in the skeletal muscle, but that's trapped in there. But then we have all this body fat and more yep. today than ever. It's like, well, so then how do we tap more into that? So um, exactly. you, you touched on it there of kind of the sugar burner, fat burner, metabolic flexibility. And like back in the day, when I first started my career as a personal trainer, we had VO2 testing, which was super cool. Mm. You know, we could measure their oxygen, CO2 and create that respiratory quotient. And so I remember like, you know, 0.7 respiratory quotient kind of represented like true fat burning. 1.0 was like your anaerobic threshold and you're just full on glycolytic sugar burning. But I'd love to, uh, before we go too in depth um, with some of the mechanisms and stuff, which you touched on, which are super exciting, what what causes people you know to move away from like our innate ability to tap into all that body fat and be metabolically flexible like how did we get into this kind of sugar burner where we are just oh gosh i can't go more than two three hours without eating um you know what causes us to shift away from being metabolically flexible yeah uh, it's kellogg's fault have you <laughs> That's the, that's the simple answer. Yeah. Um, I'd, the reason we all think that breakfast is the most important meal of the day is because it was the ad campaign for cornflakes when cornflakes came out for Kellogg's way back in the 60s, I think. So it, we have been hammered with that message. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Um, we've also been hammered with the message, the more you eat, the more, the faster your metabolism. 
And we have our, if you're not conscious about the food you're eating, you're literally eating food that was designed to make you more hungry and make you more addicted to it. So to me, it's the messaging that we've got mixed with the poor quality of food. What we're eating today is so different than what, you know, I, I grew up in the 70s. It's so much different than the food we ate in the 70s. And it really has like, it's like the world has shifted, but our messaging didn't. Mm -hmm. And so now people are operating with the wrong messaging and they're getting sicker and sicker and sicker. So we've got to flip the paradigm upside down. And I, I'm like such a fan of like, let's stop fighting about what to eat because some of people can do so well on a vegan and other people are gonna just kick butt on a carnivore diet. And some people need to do keto variations. But th there's room for us to do all of that. And let's just start with the conversation of how often are you eating and are you compressing your eating window? So you have a fat, to me, I look at every, my day is always a fasting window and an eating window. And how long am I gonna fast? And I determine how long I'm gonna fast based off of whatever I'm trying mechanism I want to initiate in my, in my body. And then when I eat, I look at, okay, what quality of food do I wanna eat to support a healthy functioning body? So it's, it's that the messaging has been wrong. I'm really glad that you, you said that so candidly, because, you know, I'm a very kind of at times like cutthroat candid dude. And, you know, I think to really kind of lead people to the light or whatever, like we have to have that bigger conversation of the, the political and financial interest, because, you know, it, it's really no mystery, like where we went wrong or what went wrong, you know, everywhere Kellogg's and big agriculture and uh, you know, big sugar goes, right? Like it's, it's America that has all these problems now and anywhere that that food industry goes, we see the same metabolic disease manifestation yep. elsewhere. So, um, so yeah, I mean the, and you know, I always like to think about how since it's 2020, you know, the great depression was a hundred years ago. Now I wasn't alive back then, obviously, but I imagine you know, fresh meat from the butcher and, and raw milk from the cow and fresh produce. You know, we didn't have glyphosate. We didn't have all the yeah. uh, tilling agriculture. We didn't have, you know, Kellogg's and uh, the 11 servings of grain supposed to make up our diet as said by the, you know, American uh, Heart Association, right? So, you know, certainly we have to look at the science versus kind of the political financial interests. I think that was yeah. really well said. I, you know, I read an article when I was fresh out of undergraduate school and it was in the, I lived in LA um, for a good part of my life and it was in the LA times. And it was like this huge, when we were all reading newspapers back then. And it was like this, you know, three page article, which you never would see, they were always short. And it was all about how the food industry will actually like the, the um, executives will get around a board table and they will say, what is it that stimulates, you know, stimulates our, our um, appetite? And what is it that we can do to get people to eat more of our food? And it, the article went on to talk about the potato chip and that what they know about potato chips is they're very light and airy, but if they spray it with certain chemicals and they make it nice and salty, you, it actually shuts off the part of your brain that registers your full. So they designed the potato chip so you 
can't just eat one, you eat the whole bag because there's nothing, your, your taste buds are like, amazing, this is incredible. And you're addicted to it and nothing tells the brain to stop eating it. And it, it just becomes incredibly difficult to stop. Mm-hmm. And when I read that, I was like, the food, wait, this is like food in my grocery store that they're trying to figure out how I can eat more of. That's crazy. And that was back in like the 1990s, that, right? Now it's just, and glyphosate wasn't even a discussion back then. And now it's just spun out of control because the food, it's profits, profits over people. And it's really sad. You know, it, it really is. And I, I like to think that we didn't create this uh, chronic disease epidemic pandemic um, intentionally. I, I, I like to think that it's like, well, this wasn't necessarily by design, but you kind of look at the rise of big agriculture and then big pharma and all the connections there and how that's in, influencing university curriculum. It's just like, we're sort of at this critical stage right now where we're all sort of scratching our heads like something is is not right here. And obviously yep. with, um, you know, the, the pandemic going on currently, uh, and there's such a focus on that, but there's not a big conversation on how can we just be more metabolically resilient and healthy. So I don't know, it's this huge problem where, yeah, you know, we, we were doing that, right, of trying to figure out how to create, you know, uh, recurrent consumers and customers with this addictive food, but then that makes them fat and unhealthy, and well, that's good business for big pharma and healthcare. Yep. And then all the while, the, the general population starting to realize like, whoa, guys, like we're all pretty sick. Who's not on multiple medications? So, you know, yep. what in your eyes do you think we need to do to, to really start? I mean, obviously, this is what you're doing professionally, but how can we begin to change that narrative and, and change that messaging? Yeah, that's such a great point. And this is honestly why I love fasting, because if you're listening to this and you're like, okay, but I'm addicted to food, which a lot of people are. And I have such uh, respect for overcoming those addictions because again, if the food industry has tied you, has made sure you stay addicted. Um, But what I like to do is start with, let's just change the way we look at a 24 hour period when it comes to food. And like I said before, there should be a fasting period and there should be an eating period. And so most of most people are only fasting maybe eight hours at the most when they sleep. Um, but you, there's no mechanisms that get like that get initiated with eight hours of fasting. The first set of healing um, processes that show up are at about 13 to 15 hours. So I feel like if we get everybody, if we just start with intermittent fasting, and we got everybody, we said, don't worry about your diet. Just let's start by intermittent, doing intermittent fasting with you. We would start to make that slow journey over to fat burner. We would start to get, I love the way you said it, like metabolic illness. Like we have so much metabolic illness. We would start to make that, that gen, getting the public over into becoming more metabolically fit. And I'm like you, like this year, I was like, what the heck is going on? How is everybody so immune compromised? And I still feel like that question is not being well addressed. It, it's still a question of, 
virulence of the virus. And I want to, again, let's change the discussion. What about the people? How do we keep the people strong? And that, that starts with intermittent fasting, in my opinion, because you start the healing process when you can go 13 to 15 hours without food. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that, that metabolic resilience that unfortunately our population is severely lacking, you know, and a big part of why the United yeah. States is just really struggling with the, the just uncontrolled spread. Yeah. Um, I really, not that I've been horribly plugged in, but I, I really have only heard one thing from a certain government official that, that did point out like, well, we have to socially distance, we have to do all this because we are such an ill population that it'll just mm. tear through us, right? Yeah. And so yeah. it's, but, but unfortunately, there's no, you know, mass government uh, education on, well, how can we start building up that, you know, metabolic health? And of course, so many aspects of our current situation uh, are not helpful for metabolic health or immune health of even just social isolation is yep. not really so no. much health promoting at all. Horrible. Yeah. No, I, you know what, I, I finally decided because the, the first three months of this pandemic, I was like, a, a part of me was like, oh my God, everybody's focused on their health. This is amazing. Like those of us in the health field, we've been trying to get people to wake up and focus on their health forever. But then as the, as the pandemic went on, I started to look at like, why don't we have any of the leadership in this country talking about what we can do or not do with our lifestyle to make ourselves more immune strong. And so I started teaching my resetters that when you have to, if you have to put the mask on, just use it as a reminder that you're putting the mask on and you're keeping the crap out. Like it's a, it's a signal that we don't need to put the junk in that it's, it, you know, you use it for whatever, to, whichever way you feel comfortable using it, but also remind yourself every single time that there's never been a more important time to keep the junk out. And I, I hope, I'm hoping that message will get out a little bit more as we, especially as we go into the winter. Um, but, you know, it takes like a whole bunch of us screaming it. Oh, absolutely. Well, and then of course the, cens the censorship, which, whew, uh, oh, start on ridiculous. That. But, you yeah. know, I've, I've done a little bit of traveling this year, not nearly as much as previous years, but it, it was a little disturbing to, you know, get on the airplane and, you know, forcing the mask and nobody occupying the middle seat uh, and everybody masked up and all of that. But then as soon as those free Cheez-Its or pretzels, oh, or yes, whatever yeah. those people are yeah. taking their mask off and num, 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 num. <laughs> yes, it's so true. And that's where I'm like, this is illogical. Like logic would say there's a virus moving through town. Let's get everybody strong. We do it when a storm moves in. You know, anybody's ever lived on a tropical island. My husband grew up on the island of Guam. And when they know that a that a, there's going to be a typhoon or a big storm coming through, they put storm shutters up and they get a, the, the houses ready for a big a storm like that. Why don't we get the people ready? Like masking is, it's, it's almost like we can come over here and debate the vegan carnivore, or we can all just look at fasting and go, hey, you know what? There's so many cool things about fasting. You do you on the eating style and we can all fast together. I feel like that with the masking, like, okay, fine, whatever. There's 
a lot of peer-reviewed journals saying that it's good. There's some saying it's not. It's very controversial, it's, it's, which is silly. But let's stop arguing about that. And let's come over here and maybe we could look at like the research on vitamin D. Or how about we look at the research, which I did on my for my YouTube this week, on autophagy. That stimulating autophagy has this whole viral immunity-like component to it. How about we put our efforts over there? And that's what's killing me, is that we're not doing that. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And so that perfect segue, because I want to chat about autophagy a little bit, which um, you know I've been reading up on a lot too. And holy cow, the... Uh, you know, the, the way that autophagy um, helps regulate the inflammatory response and immune response is super complex, super fascinating. So super complex yeah. for the listeners, how would you um, describe autophagy, which seems to kind of be like the main mechanism we, we care about, would you say? Yeah. I, yeah. I've, um, the, the trendy de description of it is it's, it is either self detox or self repair. But I feel like that is too trite because it's like you said, it's such a complicated system. So this is the way I like to, to explain it, that there's two types of autophagy. One is what they call xenoautophagy, which is where the, the intelligence of the cell gets triggered. And so it starts to go after bacteria, fungi and viruses, and it spits those out of the cell, kills them out before they can do any damage inside the cell to the proteins and organelles that are inside that. So that's fabulous. And that's really helpful for what we got going on right now. Um, and then the second one is what they call macro autophagy, which is where we the cellular intelligence looks around at the cell and it goes, you know what? There's a lot of things not working in this cell. I better tidy up, I better clean up. And in some cases it will create something called apoptosis, where it actually kills the cell because it goes, this cell is really dysfunctional. If I don't kill it, it's gonna replicate into a cancer cell or it's gonna take over the, the host. So it's like this internal mechanism that is always working in our advantage. And yet it, it should happen naturally, you know, kind of ebb and flow throughout the day. And as we age, as we get more exposure to poor foods, like we were talking about, you actually get more dysfunction of autophagy. And this is why we have an immune compromised world. I mean, at the basic level, we have cellular inflammation. We have a system that's not registering viruses because those cells have never had the opportunity to keep this autophagy mechanism at the highest state possible. And fasting is the best way that I know to really bring back the function of autophagy to your cells. That was, that was a beautiful description. And, you know, I think, you know, autophagy and some of the sciencey stuff can be intimidating or daunting, but when you kind of look and as you so eloquently broke it down, you start kind of seeing like, wow, like the, the innate intelligence of the body and how it has our, our back if we, you know, are, are treating it right. And in a lot of ways, you, you know, so you mentioned how it's, it's, you know, that cellular cleanup. So uh, let's clean out these. Sometimes the cell just needs to be scrapped, right? Sometimes, yeah. let's, Sometimes let's, it's run, not good. Yeah. let's kind of beat up, let's just kill it off apoptosis or you know, this organelle, like it's kind of dysfunctional, let's just clean that up. But also, as you said, uh, autophagy helping with the immune and inflammatory response against against pathogens, right? Which 
you know, you kind of think about it like when you uh, get sick and you have a fever, you're usually not very hungry when you're burning up, you know, and kind That's of a great point, starve a fever sort of thing. It's like, well, yep. what are we doing there? Kind of yep. starvation to induce the autophagy so that your body can focus on doing that cleanup, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like animals do the same, right? When they're not, when they're sick, they don't eat, but um, we don't, we don't tap into that as much as we could. And why wait till you're sick? Why don't you do it now? So you can stimulate that process and constantly being repairing yourself. And, and if we go back to just the idea that um, everybody's so focused on germs right now, but we're, we're built so well and we have an intelligence that knows how to fight these germs. The question is, is your intelligence working at its best? And if you've been eating all day, you, you're missing out on this autophagy state. So it's time to start to learn how to stimulate that. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm trying to teach people is it's, and it doesn't take money. You could be a busy CEO. You can be completely broke. What I love about it is we can all do it. We can all do it. We had like in our resetter tribe, we actually had um, a man reach out to us from Australia who was um, the leader of an Aboriginal tribe. And the tribe had same thing we were talking about where a bunch of the junk food had gotten into the the area where the the communities where they were living and found out that diabetes was on the rise. I mean, this happens to our indigenous people here in America so much. And um, he started showing them my YouTube videos and he started teaching them fasting. And they started losing weight and getting off medication. I mean, they're, they're a very poor Aboriginal ch- tribe that's living on the edge of a city that grew over their homeland and we got them fasting and their body started healing. So there's no excuse to not fast. Yeah, you know, it's so amazing and so cool. And, and you know, it's like for the majority of humans existing on earth, you know, we didn't have the luxury of constant food abundance so we didn't have to learn these lessons. We just, it was what it was and our body yeah. did what it did. Uh, we didn't understand it. We didn't know all of that was going on. But then as we entered, you know, modernized times of agriculture and food abundance and constant availability and the messaging of you should constantly be eating lots of heart healthy whole grains. But now mm-hmm. we're having to learn that lesson, which is really unlearning all of this, you know, false beliefs that we've been domesticated into and as you're saying, hey, like it's it's no fancy, crazy, sexy diet. It's just working with the way nature wanted you to, to work. Which... Right. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a moment to thank you all so much for listening to the Holistic Savage podcast. We on the Holistic Savage team all really appreciate you and want to stay connected with you. So please rate, review, and subscribe to help the podcast grow. And if you like the podcast, help get the word out. And now back to the show. Makes perfect sense. You know, if you're, again, hunter-gatherer, there's no food available. But also, you know, if you're hunting and gathering, you're probably going to get a cut here and there or pick up a bug here and there. So being able to have that robust response against it or, uh, you know, it's recycling, right? The, the body is amazingly uh, efficient. So it's like, Absolutely. oh, well, this thing isn't working that well anyways. Let's break that down into amino acids to feed, you know, the amino acid pool and, and have some energy reservoir while 
now let's tap into all that body fat that you've been building up, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing that I think we've gotten so off course with, even in the alternative healthcare system. If we look at, and I don't even call our, our healthcare system right now a healthcare system, it's a sick care system. And the, the rules, if you're going to play in that system, the rules are you have a symptom, you take a pill or you do a surgery. Um, if it doesn't go away, you take another pill, you do another surgery. And then when people get tired of that system um, and they want to step out of it, they come over to the natural world, which is more healthcare, but they forget you can't bring that paradigm with you. You can't go, okay, instead of taking um, an Advil for my pain, I'm going to take some magic turmeric herb that will bring the pain down and the inflammation down. Now, I'm not saying that that's not good. It's way, there's less side effects to that than there is to the medication. But what I'm really trying to get out to people is that when you decide you don't wanna play in the sick care system anymore, what I would encourage you to do is to get to know yourself again because you were built with an intelligence inside of you. And let's start with the foundation, which is what do you, you know, quality of food, when you eat, how are you sleeping? How are you exercising? Like these things don't cost money. If, if we make it so that the alternative health world is just gonna have to cost people a ton of money, then they're gonna stay, you know, on the edge of sick care. So we gotta go back to foundational ways in which the human body wanted to be treated. And I feel like that's the beautiful thing like the paleo world did and the hunter-gatherer world and even the ketogenic world. It's like these diets that emerged were like, hey, when we eat this way, there's a different process that kicks in in our body. And then people start to get to know themselves again. I love that. And it's, I think it's so valuable and powerful, especially hearing, you know, a doctor say that because certainly, you know, I think I mentioned this on your show, unfortunately in the, in the functional, something I see all the time is people kind of coming and what they really want to do is, you know, do all the fancy testing. Well, what protocol do I do? What supplement do I take? And that's after they've already kind of done their rounds through conventional. And of course it's like, yeah, that's cool sometimes and needed sometimes, but, uh, you know, all the testing, all the protocols in the world doesn't really get you very far if those fundamentals are not in place. And when you look at what all of the experts, like, instead of looking at what the experts are saying differently, if you look at the commonality of what are all the experts and leaders saying, they're all saying the same things, the sleep hygiene, the stress reduction, the, the nutrition, so the exercise, so on and so forth. So, I think it is um, just so crucial that we have to build that foundation before we can, you know, build our our majesty and palace and everything. You know? Yeah, because I, I'm sure you've seen this with with um, patients, clients before. Like, you give them a supplement, and then they do the same paradigm. They come back and they're like, "Oh, the supplement didn't work." Or you, or we do it even with the diet. Like, the, I mean, in in my resetter uh, collaborative on Facebook, we got people arguing vegan over carnivore. And I'm like, okay, everybody, there's a path, there's a time to do vegan, there's a time to do carnivore, there's a path for everybody. But we have to stop looking at these one-offs and start to go, okay, what's the foundational uh, lifestyle tools that I need to put into place? I, um, I, the, my book, The Re- uh, Menopause Reset, I had a, a bunch of my community ask me to write it. And I was like, oh, you know, at the time, 
I decided to write it, which was a year ago. Like when you looked around the world, the menopausal world, it was it's all gimmicks and you know magic mushrooms and uh, little things you can do to help the symptoms. And I was like, I don't want to create another magic mushroom book. I want women to know there's a lifestyle that should accompany the changes in your hormones. And so once I got clear that that was going to be the the way I would go after this this massive topic of menopause. I found it really that it's women are really resonating with it because it's it it gives you control back and it takes us off this roller coaster of what's the right thing. It lets you go within and decide what's the right thing for you and it needs to start with lifestyle. Absolutely. Very powerful. So with fasting and autophagy, you mentioned it before of like, okay, you know, how do we harness that healing process of autophagy, um, what would your stance be on, you know, how long does somebody need to fast or consistent, kind of like the basic format of like, if I'm wanting to harness that healing power of autophagy, you know, what does that fasting kind of program structure look like? Yeah, it's a great question. So I, I, I call it the fasting timeline. So if you're new, you've never fasted before, the very first thing is just every day, push your breakfast back an hour or push your dinner up an hour and just kind of start to get this idea that there's a fasting window and an eating window. So start to elongate that fasting window. After you've done that for about a week, you could probably push the breakfast now back two hours. And eventually within two weeks, you'll find that you're intermittent fasting every day and intermittent fasting is 13 to 15 hours. One of the greatest articles we've seen in the fasting world that to come out is one that uh, came out in the New England Journal of Medicine last December. And they basically stated that they've reviewed over 1500 peer reviewed journals and that fasting 13 to 15 hours should be the first line of treatment for neurodegenerative conditions, diabetes, obesity, asthma, um, chronic pain. They even go in and say pre-surgery, pre and post-surgery. This is the article to the medical world saying, hey guys, we've looked at the science, 13 to 15 hours looking really promising for a lot of things. And it should be the first line of treatment, which is not happening. So that's the first step is that's the place you wanna go to first. Then once you've mastered 13 to 15 hours, you can move into autophagy fasting. And autophagy is what we talked about where you are turning on this intelligence. And that will start about 17 hours. And it, from the research we have, it will continue till about 72 hours. So for those of you that have gone into like three-day water fast or two-day fast, you're like autophagy just keeps going, going, going until you eat food. So that's kind of the next hurdle. And then the third hurdle that we, our resetters do that one of my favorite is the 24 hour fast. And at 24 hours, uh, this was an MIT study that came out. It showed that the intestinal stem cells repaired themselves, that you had, like they, they, there was like a reboot of intestinal stem cells and the whole um, terrain of the gut changes. So most people in my community are vacillating between 15 hours, 24 hours, some days they do 13, some days they do 24. This is where it gets really fun and you can sort of be flexible with what you wanna do. 
Um, you have longer fasts, like 48 hours is showing to um, trigger some really cool genes and turn off some other genes. Dopamine pathways get re, like the signaling pathways will reorganize themselves so you can actually be more dopamine sensitive, which will help happiness. And then the Mac Daddy is 72 hours is Walter Longo's studies on uh, st white blood cell regeneration and the whole immune system gets regenerated. But it, I like to look at it like, like they're like light switches, like 15 hours you turn this on, 17 hours you turn this on. And so each switch gets turned on until you eat. And then once you eat, all the switches turn off. I think that that's really well described of kind of like, you know, which benefit, which mechanism am I wanting to ramp up a little bit more? And I like the way that you do that, of, you know, starting just by pushing breakfast back a little bit. Because, um, you know, sometimes when I've spoken about intermittent fasting, you know, I almost describe it as like when I'm going for a run where it's like, well, I might have like a mile goal or a time goal in my head. And you know, I'm going to push myself, I'm going to push myself outside my comfort zone. Um, and it is kind of that, uh, that intuition and listening to your body of, you know, if you're really, really hurting, maybe it's time to call it a day. But of course, you know, you don't grow in your comfort zone. So it's always yep. you're wanting to just keep pushing it. So I think if people are approaching it the way you're suggesting of, um, you know, continuously pushing that fasting window a little bit longer, a little bit harder, and of course, you know, monitoring basic stuff, whether that's weight or biofeedback or blood work or whatever, because we don't want to like malnourish or. Yeah. Um, so actually, that'd be a good question, too, is what's some of your advice surrounding how do we, you know, push the limits of our, our fasting to harness these deep properties uh, while still making sure we're getting enough of the, the nutrients we need to be healthy? Yeah, it's a great question. And this is why I like fasting variation. You know, when I first started teaching fasting on YouTube, what I found is so many people were like, I'm a one meal a day person. I All I eat is one meal every single day. And they were maybe keto and one meal a day. And then all of a sudden you would hear them say, my hair is falling out and I'm not able to lose weight anymore. And they had pushed it too far. To me, that was, there wasn't enough variation. So we really teach the variation, like, you know, do intermittent fasting four days a week, try to stretch it to autophagy fasting one day a week, uh, do one day a week of maybe, could you go to 24 hours and then one day a week don't fast. So I, I really am a fan of going in and out of different fasting cycles. Then when you eat, you got to eat like this is not this is the difference between what you said before of like the anorexic who is like i'm just not or the the person with an eating disorder that's like i'm just not going to eat because i feel better and then when they eat they just eat a little bit that's not what you do when you do a fasting lifestyle you use fasting as this incredible tool to be a fat burner and then when you eat you eat and you make sure you're eating good quality food so, and, you know, as far as vitamins and minerals, there's not, I personally, now I know the carnivore people out there would disagree, but I'm a big fan of, of lots of lettuces, lots of vegetables, really get, making sure that you're lots of seeds and nuts, because we're a really mineral deficient world right now, and our soils are deficient in minerals. So we see mineral deficiencies probably show up in fasting people who fast more than anything because they already went in with a mineral deficiency because they're eating food 
that, that is grown in soils that don't have any minerals. Then they microwave their, let's say it's a broccoli, they microwave their broccoli and they kill any nutrients in it. So yeah, so it's it's not the fasting that's causing it. It's that you that you can't carry over that restriction always into the eating window. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very good answer. And you there, there's a lot of chatter out there too of um, ketosis being able to trigger and activate autophagy kind of in a, so almost, almost like suggesting that, you know, ketosis is almost like a little bit of a silver bullet if we can maybe reap some of the same benefits as fasting without actually fasting. I'd be curious your, your take on that. Yeah. Yeah. So ketosis is interesting because you can, you can stimulate ketosis without fasting. I think it's a little harder I, personally, but you know, ketosis is what you're trying to do. It's a ketones are a sign you're a fat burner and you're bringing your carb levels down, bringing your fat up so that your blood sugar is either stable or it's dropping a little bit to trigger that effect. Um, so nothing wrong with that. If you add some intermittent fasting in there, you're going to get there a little quicker. Um, but just stimulate, just being in ketosis doesn't stimulate autophagy. It doesn't reboot intestinal stem cells. Um, it may re-pattern um, your dopamine pathways. I don't really, I, I, I'm not, I haven't seen a lot on that. Um, and the, all the uh, signaling and turning on of genes and turning off of genes won't happen. So you can get into ketosis with very limited fasting, but you're also missing out on a huge mechanism that all these mechanisms are waiting for you when you take the ketogenic diet and then you start to exercise your fasting muscle. And I, and I think, you know, we call it fat adapted or metabolically flexible. It's the best place to be because you can go without food if you don't, if food's not there. Like, I don't know if you had this experience, but when the pandemic first hit and like all the lines at the grocery store, I, I looked at my husband and I was like, well, if we don't get food for a couple of days, I'm going to be okay. We'll figure it out, you know, it's, but it was so comforting to know that I, my body didn't have to have food all the time to be able to survive. Um, so this metabolic flexibility comes in handy in a lot of places, um, but you've got to train it like anything else. You've got to train your body. And when people go, well, I'm just going to do the ketogenic diet by manipulating my macros and they don't add fasting in, I think they're missing out on a whole world they could be stimulating. Yeah, I, I would totally agree. I think it's fasting is much more fundamental than you know, the million ways that we can overcomplicate our macronutrient ratios and just kind of spin the wheels. Um, and yet, you know, it is it, the, the metabolic flexibility in, you know, beauty of fasting. It's so convenient. I can't tell you how many oh, times amazing. I've been, you know, on work trips at conferences and there's like no food I can eat. I'm just like, well, good thing. I've got some, some body fat. I've got that strong fasting muscle. I'm good to go for a while. Yep. It's amazing. I, you know, what used to happen to me before I started fasting is if I, if I would hit a point where I felt a little hangry, I would be like, if I don't get food, I'm going to kill somebody. And now what my thought process is, is um, more along the lines of just hang in there. You're going to switch over into ketosis soon and then the hunger will go away. So you learn to trust your body so much without food. And that I, I want everybody to experience that because that's freedom, mm -hmm. but it does take a training to get yourself there. Yeah, very well said. It, it is. It's, it's that I think a lot of people have lost trust in their bodies or 
Uh, and sadly, I, I think a lot of people have never known how to trust their body. You know, they're always kind of yep. feeling like they're fighting against it, you know? Yep. I always say like, think of your body like if I came and I like parked a Lamborghini in your driveway and I handed you the keys and I didn't tell you how to take care of it um, and you're putting the wrong gas into it and you didn't read the manual, you didn't know all the bells and whistles that it came with and you just drove it and without any maintenance on it, over time even a Lamborghini wouldn't really work well. Um, your body's the same way. You were given the same high performing car. It's called your body. You just didn't get the manual. You weren't told what to eat. You didn't know all the bells and whistles it came with. So you're just letting your taste buds control this and you're using food for dopamine so that you, and serotonin so you can feel better. So you reach, but you're not realizing that it's a high performance sports car that needs, when you treat it like that, it's crazy how well you feel. Oh, absolutely. You know, and on that note, because mental health is kind of my big focal point in fashion, you know, there's all these kind of antidepressant effects of fasting. And um, I was just reading a paper the other day that was really cool. You'll like this, where uh, they demonstrated how fasting actually inhibited autophagy in certain regions of the brain associated with neuroplasticity, which I know, right? Because you're like, yeah, well, super interesting. Yeah. But then it's like, well, actually, and they, they pointed it out. So I wish I had the aha moment organically, but they kind of pointed out of, well, we think that this is probably, you know, an adaptive mechanism in times of nutritional stress. And I was like, well, you know what, golly gee, that makes a lot of sense too. So, you know, maybe <clears throat> some of our tissues are fighting off viruses or infections or whatever, and, you know, doing the cleanup. But in the brain, it's like, well, if we're under nutritional stress and starving, we need to enhance neuroplasticity so we can uh, be quick on our feet and be uh, neurologically adaptive. So I was like, well, that's so, so amazingly so cool, cool, you know? So we're um, doing all of this cleanup, you know, throughout a lot of our body, but then in the brain, it actually helps us learn new things and yeah. have malleable plastic brain. I thought that was so cool. Yeah, that is really cool. I just was reading some studies on autophagy in the respiratory system and um, which would be like the opposite of that, right? Because without food, you'd want your brain to not, the brain doesn't need to be repairing, like you said, but the lungs might need to get a cleanup. So it's really, that's really interesting to think that different body parts are stimulating autophagy for different reasons. But this is what we're learning. And this is why we have to change the way we've been doing nutrition. We've got to ch shift the paradigm because we've, we're, we've become more obese, we're less metabolically flexible, and now we're flipping immune compromised. How many more things do we need before the world wakes up uh, to, to realize that we got to do it on our own and, and tap into these incredible healing sources? Oh, absolutely. And so, you know, another thing I was going to ask you is, because I've, I've pondered this a little bit, I, I always like to think about evolution and, you know, why would that make sense for evolution? So I think about, okay, the, the male hunter gatherer kind of going out to hunt and maybe the female kind of gathering around the, the paleo cave or whatever. The paleo cave. <laughs> my it. question being, do you feel like there's any difference or major differences in approaching fasting depending on gender and or kind of part two of 
um, what time of the month it is and what your cycle's doing. And does that influence what you yep. would recommend for fasting? Absolutely. And this is a big part of my message. If you go back to the hunter-gatherer idea, a woman who is about to start her cycle, hasn't totally started it, but the week before, they're not going to pull her out and be like, hey, you need to go hunt some meat with us because her job is to, to rest and uh, let her body get ready for that moment of, of shedding. There's a different, at different times of the month, we have different needs. And men don't have that. They are built to be hunter-gatherers all the time. So what we teach is that you fast within your cycle. And day one to day 14, usually most people can fast really easily. You can go on a long fast. You can do keto really well. Um, and then day 14, around that moment, you're ovulating. Some women have to step out of fasting around day 14. It really kind of depends. Um, but um, other women can get away with intermittent fasting and they'll be fine. And then you continue on to day 21 and it's day 21 that's the most dangerous because you need to make progesterone for that uterine lining to shed. And progesterone needs you to have glucose be a little higher, needs a little more insulin and it needs foods that are very much not a ketogenic diet. So potatoes and squashes and rice and beans uh, grass-fed meat, which is great, but these are like progesterone-building foods. So what we've seen in our community is that people step into fasting, they love it, and they love the results, and they just do more and more and more of it. And then I start getting messages saying, I lost my period, I'm, I'm spotting all the time, my perimenopause symptoms are through the roof, my hair is falling out. And once we tell them, okay, day 21, if you still have a cycle, stop fasting, stop doing keto, that one little simple change can really have an impact on a woman's hormones. And then if you think about once she starts to bleed, it's, you know, our period is a cleansing. Mm -hmm. And so you can go ahead and stimulate autophagy and you can, you can work with the mechanisms at that point, but leading up to that point needs to be more nurturing. Very well said, because I, I saw one of your recent posts about that. And I knew that'd be a a good question to ask so that that bio individuality too and i think this is the beautiful process and journey of um not just exploring fasting but exploring your body right and learning yeah. how to get in tune with it like it, it usually is trying to tell you something if, yeah. if you're listening right yep yeah and it's so smart and th this is the other thing we just don't we're not we get excited about something especially in health and we just keep doing it all the time um, same thing with like, you know, Spartan racing or cross CrossFit, like a man can go and do those, no problem. He doesn't have to think about his hormonal balance, but you take a 47 year old woman who's going through uh, perimenopause and you put her in Spartan races over and over and over again, and you are going to tank her adrenals. So I really feel, I love what you said, the bio individuality. We really need to go back to finding our path but all of these concepts are so cool from fasting to keto, to carnivore, to ice plunges, to all the different things that we're doing. But have we stopped as women to stop and go, okay, where does this fit in my cycle? Because ultimately there, I am designed to have a baby and I am designed to be in a rest period every 28 days. Mm -hmm. So I've been trying to help women see that there's a time to, to fast and a time not to fast. And 
it's also freeing because when you get to eat all those yummy foods, uh, you know, it's a fun. And then once you, your period starts, you can start fasting again. It really works nicely. Very good. Well, and you mentioned um, exercise too, which, you know, it's really, there, there's a lot of cool science there of what kind of training is better suited for uh, men's physiology versus women's. But, um, and I know I see you working out all the time on, on your Instagram story. I do. Um, so I'd be curious, how do you or approach or recommend uh, kind of modulating your exercise routine, you know, in conjunction, like around your fasting, how do uh, the, the fasting and the exercise, you know, like a little Go bit ahead. more rest yeah. or what does that look like? Yeah. So um, let me back up one step and say um, at 40 for a woman, she has to realize that her ovaries are like on a slow decline. Mm -hmm. They're like, I'm done. Um, I'm not going to make progesterone, estrogen, testosterone anymore. I'm just going to take it. It's going to take me about 10, 15 years. I'll stop producing those hormones, but I'm going to hand it over to the adrenal glands and the adrenals are going to start to make those hormones. And this is what gets the rushing woman, the over-exercise woman in trouble every single time. And I'm, I'm speaking as somebody who, who was that woman. Yeah. So, uh, so what I've had to learn the hard way was that I need exercise variation. And so the, I used to go on marathon runs and now I go on 30 minute runs and I hike and I do yoga and I do hit training. We just got a, I don't know if you know a, what the Carol bike is. But it's a it's a hit training bike we just got in the house. So I I'm really big on exercise variation for women over 40. You can't do the hardcore exercise all the time. Um, when it comes to fasting, this question shows up all the time. That intermittent fasting you can exercise when you want, ever you want. Autophagy fasting, 17 hours, 24 hours, fine. But when you start to get into these longer fasts, if you're pushing, if you're pushing yourself and exercising hard you're damaging your body more than helping it. Think of the longer fast as you're honoring that there's an intelligence inside your body and it's gonna start to repair. And if you start pushing cortisol levels up, if you start really overdoing it, you that intelligence is not work, gonna necessarily work in your favor. And so we, we really emphasize short fast, great, do whatever you want, long fast, really step, do go for a hike or a walk, do yoga, but don't push your exercise. And that goes for both sexes. Okay. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. And, and certainly just listening to your body, what is your body calling for, which I, I love the mindfulness that yoga can, can teach us of honor your body where it's at. And um, there's like you say, you're saying, you know, there's a time to push yourself. Um, and then there's a time to honor what your body is, is really calling for. And um, this is where, like, I, I think journaling can be so powerful of, you know, how you're feeling throughout your fast or what you notice when you do this exercise or that, and then tracking your cycle and seeing how all of that, um, you know, what's the story that all of this information is kind of trying to tell us? Yeah. You know, it's, I think, and, and I'm curious if you see this too. I think everybody's just like, I get this question all the time. Just tell me what to do. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you have to tell me what you're trying to accomplish with your health before I can tell you what to do. And I think that's the problem that we have is like somebody get, goes to a new exercise class and they're like, oh my God, you know, core power yoga is amazing. And I should go in and sweat like a maniac every single day. And we don't 
stop and go, what is what are the needs of my body? Where's my life at? How do I create some variation here? So we kind of chunk it down into there's a variation to fasting, there's a variation to your diet, and there's a variation to exercise. And if it gets really fun, because then it never gets boring, and you can always move in and out of these different states. And I think that's what metabolic flexibility is. It's not metabolic rigidity, it's metabolic flexibility, which means you can go in and out of states of high, high demand for exercise and no exercise or low demand. That's the flexibility that we need to create with people's lifestyle. Exactly. It'll have a huge impact. Flexibility and developing the resilience with it, right? There's yep. something uh, kind of beautifully spiritual about, uh, you know, I mean, pushing yourself in the gym or exercise, but also like when you're fasting, I, I, I definitely know from, you know, a lot of my experiences, it brings you kind of closer to yourself and yeah. to that, that source that, that we all need to be connected to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I have so much, I feel like I know my body better than I ever have mm -hmm. once I applied these principles and, and I don't get caught up in the trendy headlines of, you know, this fast, is for weight loss or this one's not. Um, I, I just I just know what works well for me because I've been doing it for a while and I've been clued in. So like I saw an article that, I don't know if you saw this, it came out from Stanford and it was about a month ago. And it was a researcher that said he spent three years analyzing intermittent fasting. And he has discovered based off his research that intermittent fasting is not helpful for weight loss. And I'm like, okay, wait, this makes no sense because I have 300,000 uh, resetters across all my platforms that, that fast all the time. And the, the, the stories are amazing. So I dove into his science and in his subject group, it was, he compared everything from 18 year old men up to 65 year old women. And they were all lumped into the study together. And he didn't change what they ate. He just looked at the intermittent fasting, like, time period. And it was so erroneous because we can't compare an 18-year-old man to a 65-year-old woman. We have to go back to this individual, what are our individual needs? And it's going to be hard. It's not, you're not going to be spoon-fed. So you got it, but that's okay because that's why it's an art and you learn to practice it over time. Absolutely. Well, and, and one that, you know, getting um educational guidance from somebody like yourself so you know as we begin wrapping up i know you have um a lot of platforms you've got the resetter podcasts and communities could you break down you know where can people uh learn from you and join your community so that way they're not you know in it alone or trying to figure yeah. it all out alone because there's obviously a lot of people that have you know already done this work and are experts in it yeah. Yeah. If you want to fast with us, we do once a month. Um, we do what we call a fast training week. It's actually five days. And I teach different types of fast or pe fasts or people who want to know how to do a three day, five day water fast. We'll coach them through there. But it's in a, in a it's in a more of a public platform. It's free. It's on Facebook. It's called the Resetter Collaborative. Um, I know a lot of people are on Facebook, and so we also do it on my YouTube channel. So if you subscribe to my YouTube channel, we, we, we are now doing videos every day over there to lead people through it. So that's free. 
And then I have a, a membership group, low cost academy um, group where we do Zoom calls kind of like this twice a month. We do workouts every Saturday morning. And then every other month we do what I call a reset where I take people through a 15 day experience of different fasts and different eating styles so they can discover for them what style works best. And then, but they're being coached by me and by I've got a set of reset guides and we're all in a community together working out and, and are working these principles out and making sure that everybody finds their own path. So I, when I got this, this uh, message from the Aboriginal tribe in Australia, it really hit me the impact social media can make on people you don't even know. And um, it also made me realize that there was a need for something low cost for people. And so that's what our, our academy is, is we really try to keep that cost down and over deliver so people can work these principles out. That's so it's, I love hearing this kind of stuff because certainly I'm doing my own thing, trying to help people and, and that's something I'm really passionate about. Of I, I kind of always tease like functional medicine isn't very functional if nobody can afford it. And I, I worry Super and fear true. about, you know, functional medicine stuff kind of being like a luxury good, right? I feel like health in general is kind of like a luxury good. And it's like, we cannot afford as a society, as a collective, as a species, we can't afford for this to be an exclusive luxury good. So Agreed. we need to be you know, working together as a community, there's so much healing power from a sense of community and working together. So I'm so inspired by the work that you're doing and, and you. we'll absolutely include, you know, all the links and everything so people can easily find you and join you for uh, future resets. I, I'll hop in there too. That'd be fun. I need It's really more. fun. It's a yeah. really good because people like it, like some people we're in one right now. Tomorrow is the um, water fast day. So we're already getting messages. We take people through a 36 hour water fast. Um, but people are like, oh my God, my joint pain went away when I did carnivore. We'll have to take them. And then we have vegan options. So we kind of try to go to everybody's uh, whatever their eating style is. Um, and then we have like long fasts and short fasts and every couple of days you're doing something different. So before you know it, the 15 days are up and you, everybody loses weight and everybody has a positive experience, some more than others, but everybody walks away and goes, oh my God, I get it. I get what I'm supposed to do. And it's really fun. It's like a fasting, um, metabolic flexibility boot camp or something yeah there you, know? you go there you go it's like a boot camp that goes for 15 days yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly that's amazing yeah. so you know dr mindy it's it's really such a pleasure such an honor like i love your energy i love your work there's such a depth and expansiveness to your knowledge but then you're able to deliver it in such a practical functional uh way so it really has just been such a a great opportunity to get to talk to you. I really hope that when the world turns back on, you know, our, our paths cross and me we too. can meet in person. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I've enjoyed both of our conversations now. So, and you're doing amazing. I, I follow you on Instagram too. I mean, you're doing incredible, incredible education. And like we talked on the Resetter podcast, I just feel like we need to unite as health practitioners. Mm -hmm. I'm so tired of the, um, divisiveness that the world has taken. In fact, in my studies of autophagy this week, it shows that resentment and, um, and shame and guilt and bitterness actually shuts autophagy off. 
So we need to be in a moment where we're embracing each other's differences and working together. So, um, and you're on the front lines of doing that in the health world. So thank you. Oh, I appreciate that. You know, it's the, the, the remedy to polarization is, is unity. So the, the, when we have these types of conversations, we can get all of these minds together. We're all working towards the same collective goals. So uh, thank you so much. I, I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day. I'm sure we'll thank talk you. soon. I'll, we will. Uh, we will. Thank I'll you, Brendan. Collaborating on Facebook and, and Instagram and whatnot. So thank you again. Uh -huh. Awesome. All right. Have a beautiful day. We'll talk soon. Okay. Thanks. Bye. You too. Bye.